Welcome to How Travel Writers Self-Publish. This podcast brings you the most up-to-date and relevant advice, tips, and strategies to get your travel book written, self-published, and marketed to a global audience. And here's your host, travel writer and digital nomad, Jay Artali. Hi, in today's show, we're joined by travel writer John Meyer. And John and I have both written non-traditional memoirs. So they're memoirs that don't fit neatly in an established niche. So we're going to be looking at uh, writing and how to get noticed in a niche when you're a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. So as well as being a studio writer for Entertainment Tonight Canada, John writes fictional travel memoirs, and he's used his travel adventures in Italy, London, and Spain to write a trio of books. So John, you're at a party and a guest next to you in the buffet queue finds out you're an author and says, hey, John, what kind of books do you write? How do you explain your books to them? First of all, that has never happened. <laughs> usually usually they give me an odd look like, oh, no, this guy's going to pitch me and they'll move on. So that will be a rare occurrence. But if they did, I would just say, you know, the, the simplest way to say it is like, listen, I have these great travel adventures and I write about them and I use them as the backdrop for my stories that they're fictional stories, but I write about real places and about my real trips, and I blend them together into some great story. But I want people you're either gonna you're gonna hopefully enjoy them on one or two levels. A, you're either gonna like the story that I've written, or B, you're gonna love the travel adventure and want to go see these places yourselves. And the best is the people who like both. But that's what my readers tell me. Some will like one more than the other, and some people will like them both. And that's the that's the best way. And that seems to get people going. Then, then they may go, oh, so where have you written about or what are your stories about and go from there. And I'll take what they're interested in and that's what I'll focus on and tell them. So did you set out to write these fictional memoirs or did you set out to write a memoir and it kind of evolved? A bit of both. I read a lot of travel books in my time and I just never was satisfied with them. There was just no drama to it. It was often an adventure of some kind, whether they're climbing a mountain or they're building a house somewhere or something like that. And I was like, that's all it is. Maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's wonderfully written, but there wasn't much drama. So I was kind of bored of a lot of travel books. Then I myself was robbed in Italy a few years back where uh, my money belt was stolen from me and I lost everything. And of course, I was devastated. And then I had to go through the police and the embassy and all that kind of stuff. When I got home after this disaster of a trip, I thought to myself, wait a minute, now I think I got, this is, I may make a good story about a person who's never traveled before, arrives in their dream destination, things go very wrong very quickly, but he doesn't come home, he actually sticks around and falls in love with a local girl and other things happen. Then I went, then I went back and went, that's the kind of travel books I want to read where it's, yeah, I'm accurately describing things of what it's like at that time and place, but also adding at least... Uh, some kind of a drama adventure that's got higher stakes. Because that's like travel. That's the thing I have with most travel books. There's no stakes. In fact, a lot of travel books I've written, famous ones, they often don't conclude. They often don't have an ending. They didn't climb the mountain, or they turned away, or they had bad luck. There's one called The Snow Leopard. They didn't see the snow leopard. Uh, those kind of books. And I went, come on. They're written well. They're written by very people that are much smarter than I am. But I just wasn't entertained enough. So I was like, you know what? I want to turn this kind of uh, genre on its ear and, and combine them, have novel aspects in a traditional nonfiction genre. 
That's what I wanted to do because that's that's what I wanted to read, and I wasn't reading them. Yeah, I read a lot of travel memoirs when we were based in LA and planning a relocation to Turkey. I read a lot of those expats move into a foreign country and setting up home somewhere. And they all started to sound the same, a very one-dimensional. And there was no story arc to them, no no kind of suspense, like you said. So when you were writing yours, did you already know about story arc? Or is that something that you identified from reading other books in that niche? No, I see, I studied in Los Angeles myself actually before i work in a television show now and while um but before that i was working on screenplays so i lived in los angeles for three years and i had a mentor named john truby who taught me about how to write movies and different kind of genres as well um and whether you're writing a movie or a short story or or tv show or a book the story arcs and the beats are kind of the same maybe longer in some in some places than others but the basic story structure is 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 valuable and usable in all different genres and types of material. So I knew that going in and I read enough travel books that I found out the parts that they were using, the parts that were missing. So I made sure that my book could be made into a movie. In fact, my very first book, I built it like a movie. I just expanded on it to make it into a a book form. So I know the beats that I need to hit. And the trip basically colors the details and gives you the different levels and the different layers that you need for a story. But I write my story like a movie beat. So I know my ending before I even go. Oh, that's interesting. So can you give us an overview of how you approach your story writing process or how you've approached each book differently? The first couple of books were I wrote about places and things that I was very interested in. Without going into details, my first book takes largely takes place in Italy, but it also takes place during a, the Palio Festo in Siena. And I was fascinated by it, but it's not a very international festival. It's very local, and it's Italians go to see it, but I didn't meet many other people outside of Italy at this festival. The second book, while it does play takes place mostly in London. It also takes a large part of it uh, at the San Fermin Festival in Spain uh, with the running of the bulls and all that kind of thing. And again, it's very local. Most people I meet are from Spain who go there. There's not many other people outside of Spain. What's changed is my third book, which takes place on the Camino, this this 1,000-year-old pilgrimage across northern Spain, where I met people from all around the world doing this. And wherever they got inspired from, whether they saw a movie about it, read another book about it. And that's changed for me because now I've hit upon something that has international appeal. So now I'm selling books to all over the place, especially in America, but also in Australia, England, and Canada, because people from all around the world are doing this. So I've sort of come to this realization that whatever I do in the future, it's got to have more of an international appeal. I should have done that the first time. The structure's been the same. The way I write it's been the same. But now I've kind of hit upon a subject matter that has more international appeal. And then history and historical facts seem to be a big part of your books as well. Absolutely. Do you do research before you go? Or- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if I'm doing a trip that, say, begins in June, I'm doing the research in January. I spend about six months doing research, not only just trying to build my story, but also learning as much as I can about it. Because it always sort of takes place at some kind of pack drop, like a festival, and there's always a journey involved as well. So I do that research first. 
Then I do the trip and then bind out things as I go and, and make sure I take down, jot down all the notes I need and lots of video and a lot of photos because I'm going to be describing the scenes later. What I find from my trips themselves, it's not the historical parts I have to research so much. It's more about the characters I meet because I also fill my book with all the people that I met and they sort of fill my book with all the minor characters. The major characters I felt I figured out before I go, it's the minor characters that come from a place that's so it's authentic and real because I definitely want to make the book as accurate as possible. It's a fictional story, but the actual journey is, is basically the journey that I took. So if something big happens to me and dramatic, I will add that to the book as well, on top of the story beats that I've already, be, I've already built in. So when I got injured on the Camino, my main character got injured as well because uh, my trip adjusted because of my injury that I had for four days. So I had to make the character do the same thing because I wanted to, you know, accurately describe what happens when you get hurt on the Camino. You know, I didn't want to make it up. I wanted the character to go through it too because that's it was my journey because my my impressions are the main character's impressions. Of what, of, of what I met and what I experienced. So are you planning your holidays and vacations now around your next book? Not always, but every time I go on vacation, everyone at work goes, is this for a book? <laughs> I go, no, no, I'm just going. I'm just, this is just a party. But it's true. When I do make the big trip, it's a whole different kind of trip. Because now I'm taking video and photos of everything when I'm when I'm doing this. It's a lot of work that goes into your books, by the sounds of it. Well, I keep two journals, actually. One's for the book and one's just for myself. Because I also want to remember... Uh, the trip as well. And I have a bad memory if I don't write it down. So I basically have two journals going. One I'll just have will be book notes. And the other one is just my own personal notes. And don't you find that as a writer, you, you're more observant, you know, your senses seem to be like heightened. Oh, I think so. Yeah. But I have that in everyday life. I could be on the subway today in Toronto and I could build a narrative when I, just by watching people. I know in your head, it happens all the time, but I'm still the guy who with, with a book in my hand, but I also will take time to look out the window and just observe and, and watch all the details that are passing you by. And if I'm with friends, I'll say, Hey, did you notice that? They're like, no, while well, you were looking at your phone, but I'm very in the moment mm-hmm. all the time. So that, that that kind of lifestyle is not just when I'm traveling doing research. That's everyday life. So does that mean you're constantly looking out the window for your next book idea? Are you working on your next book? Um, I've just my book came out just over a year ago, my third book. And usually at this point, I should be writing the next book. But I'm still doing the marketing. I'm still meeting other people who who walk the Camino and other pilgrims, and I'm still enjoying that process. I'm still not ready to, to jump into the next book. And in fact, I have to, I have to really seriously sit down and think about what the next gonna, book's going to be because I need it to have international appeal because I'm self-publishing. I'm doing everything myself. Yes, I hire, I hire uh, an editor and a book designer and a printer, but after that, it's all on me. And as you know, you take you spend a lot of time and you got to play with social media and all the other things. And you got to like focus on the what's working, sort of forget what's not working. But also, you know, there's a there's not only a time element, but there's a money element. So I got to figure out what's best for me. So right now I'm just enjoying the marketing of this book and I'm going to make I'm making uh, I'm making plans, but I have I'm not working on the next book yet. In fact, Living here in Canada, I'm seriously think of thinking about moving to Europe for like the next big step in my life, and that will change everything. And I want to be that expat who lives in Europe 
And that was where, where I'm going to be next. And that's that will color the next book, I think. We're talking about you're focused on marketing right now of the Camino book. So what kind of activities have you been doing to broaden your audience reach and you know raise awareness of the book? The best thing for me with this third book is getting on Camino websites. And there's lots of them. And there's lots of uh, foundations and a lot of places that will list like Camino books. And I get my, I try to get myself on those. And once you're on those websites, the Camino thing happens all the time, all throughout the year. Mm. And pilgrims will go on and they're looking for material, just like I did. Before I did my Camino, I read three books about it before I went. And I bought a guide. Uh, the guide you know, gave me the basic day-to-day stuff I needed to know about accommodations and distances and that kind of thing. Um, and that's what I'm finding all my readers are. They're the ones that are telling me, hey, your book's different than other Camino books because most Camino books – a lot of them are spiritual. Yeah. A lot of them are just they, – they started from one place and ended in, in Santiago, just like I did. But then I'm the one that has a fictional story attached. In fact, this other day, I had this um, – I got this email from a, a Camino group. So they get together once a month, and they read Camino books, and they talk about their – some people had already walked the Camino. And they want to keep it keep that vibe going, that community spirit going, and other people are thinking about it. So they have a book group. So they picked my book, and they had a roundtable discussion about it, and then she let me know. That was valuable because that's that's who I'm talking to. And, that, and the best thing she said about it, too, as the spokesperson, was how people who had already been on the Camino – thought that mine was just was an, was an accurate portrayal of what they saw, which is great. And other people who had not been the Camino now want to do the Camino based on what they read in my book, even though there's also a whole fictional story, which you can you know love or not like or whatever you want. And she loved it, but other people in the group maybe weren't as high on, on the love story as I written than, than, uh, than I had hoped. But they still liked the book because it gave them the tools and what they wanted to know about the Camino. Because a lot of the Camino books out there, they're just, you know, it's an A to B thing and, and it's a struggle or it's not a struggle. But I really go into the details. I'm also not afraid to talk about some of the, the obstacles and some of the things that aren't so great about the Camino. And mm-hmm. a lot of books don't do that. You know, they're very, they, they make it sound as pleasant as possible. But it's hard to get up every day at six o'clock and walk 40 miles <laughs> a day. That's hard. And people don't talk about it. You get blisters and you get sore. And some towns are great and some towns are lousy, you know, just like in real life. And I think a lot of the books don't talk about it because I read three of them and I, would, I didn't get that sense. You hit on something there about finding your niche within a niche. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, in the memoir niche, it is so huge and vast. And I belong to yeah. a, uh, a Facebook group, We Love Memoirs, which is a a readers and a memoir appreciation group and it obviously attracts lots of memoir authors they've got a really big following and when you see the books coming up in the thread you start to realize that you know even though memoirs is this huge bucket you've got like so many different micro niches and it seems that there's so many books out there now thanks to amazon and kdp yeah. that you know the only way that you're going to rise to the top of your little pile is you know establishing yourself in that niche and it sounds like that's just exactly what you've done well i think you have to do something different because the reality is when i've read other people's personal stories while i understand why they wrote it i might not agree wow this is a very this is an amazing compelling story to tell often it is not 
it's it's personal, but it doesn't mean that I am going to be completely affected by it. So I didn't want when I wrote my what I call these fictional travel memoirs, which is completely made up. I haven't seen it anyone else use it. I just had to establish it that I didn't want people to think it was a novel, so I couldn't call it a novel because there's too much personal history written in it. You know, with the Kate, you know, with the historical facts and anecdotes, and and, and just that, just the, you know, how do you get from A to B? What it, what is the journey like? But I didn't want to call it a memoir either because it was fictional. So I had to come up with a term that worked, which was what it makes it hard for the marketing. Is like, is it when you write a memoir that's nonfiction? I go, well, it's not nonfiction. There's nonfiction elements, but it's a fictional story. And then I go, well, that sounds more like a novel, but what you wrote is not a novel. No, it's not. It's got novel elements, but it's it's also there's gonna be a journey involved, which I want people to do themselves. I have one story of my journey, but you can't copy what I did. You can do the exact same trip that I did and come up with a different experience and different perspective. But that's the whole point of travel is that we'll hit the same places. You might love it. I might not. So that's the trick with my marketing. For example, Amazon makes it pretty good because you can play with categories there. But I'm listed incorrectly in other places. On Apple, I'm listed uh, as an action adventure store because that's the closest category they have to what I did. But you know what I mean? It doesn't really quite fit. And there's lots of websites I can't even be on because they don't even have a travel category, period. Like they they have no category at all. And I don't want to be put under romance. I got a love story in it. But a romance comes with a completely different expectation of what I'm well, You should try trying to a pitch a poetic memoir. Oh, I can't imagine what you have to do. But that's the thing. And I try to blaze my own path, I guess. I just wasn't happy with my genre, the travel genre that I was that I wanted to do. Because and I want and here's I read these books always with the hope like I hope this one's a good one, and there's about I get halfway through like no this isn't happening. Um, there's very few great travel books in my opinion, and I know that sounds very snobby. It's just not, and, or the characters are so flawed that you just don't like them. Mm-hmm. Even Bill Bryson, one of the best travel writers of all time, humorous, thoughtful, insightful, intelligent. But even his own book, Walk in the Woods, he doesn't walk all this do the whole trail. He gives up halfway through. He takes a cab. He's taking a bus. It's only a partial walk. You know, he didn't even finish it. And to me, that's a big flaw. Like, what do you mean you didn't even finish it? <laughs> and you didn't get the goal. And that's it's like, I can't do that. At least with my thing, I have to write a fictional story. There's a goal in mind, and there's going to be a conclusion. Does he get there or not? We'll find out. But definitely, there's. I'm not leaving anything ambiguous about it. going to have an ending that you're either going to like her or not, that this journey has come to a close in some way, that a lot of these travel books don't. They just sort of peter out. I'm reading a book right now that's called A Masterpiece, and I'm near the end, and I just found out that there's a to be continued at the end. I'm bummed. Like, really? He's not even going to get there? This is not what I want from my travel genre. So I'm very stubborn about what I want, and I'm trying to, like you said – that what would you call it? The, the the square peg in a round hole or whatever the thing is. I'm trying to force it in a way like, come on, this is what I think it could be done. But yeah, it's it's I'm up against it. But I'm challenged by it, but I'm not gonna I still wanna write books that I wanna read. Because otherwise, what am I doing it for? It's three years of your life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want I don't wanna a lot of people said, you know, you know what's really popular? Eight out of ten books and ebooks last year were erotic fiction. Well, that's great, but I'm not going to all of a sudden write. I'm not going to write the next Fifty Shades of Grey. I just can't. That's not my style. But I can't spend the time. I got. I know it's a three-year thing and the trip. So I want to make sure it's stuff I really want to do. 
But that's why I have to write what I want to write. And that's, I want to write travel books letter like this, because that's what I want to read. So John, this seems like a good place to wrap up this conversation, but it's been fun talking to you and I'd really like to have you back on another show so we can continue this conversation. You've been listening to the How Travel Writers Self-Published Podcast, hosted by digital nomad and travel writer Jay Artali. Visit us at www.birdsofafeatherpress.com.